0: Welcome to the MTM Vegas podcast. I'm Sean kumi your host, joined as always by Mark Osterman. We have a great show for you today. As a reminder, you can watch this show along with all the visuals that go with it at youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. We release two shows a week on Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube, and you can also listen to them here on the podcast. As a reminder, we now have our Patreon live, patreon.com forward slash MTM Vegas. You get the weekly after show. A lot of fun there. You can watch it or listen to it as a podcast as well. Hope to see you over there. Patreon.com forward slash MTM Vegas. If you like the show, consider leaving a five-star review in your favorite podcast app. Apple Podcasts, Spotify helps us out a lot. And for all of our Vegas content, that's posts, podcasts, and videos, head to MTMVegas.com. Thanks for listening. Let's hit it. So, Mark, did you see that surge pricing has hit Las Vegas? We've seen it in the gift shops. We've seen it elsewhere. Now it's just at the casino bars. Here's a receipt of a, what, Coors Light, I think, $12.99. So I think that's more than a dollar
1: an ounce if it was just a bottle of Coors Light. What is the world coming to? I mean, that's pretty much the prices in Laughlin. I mean, on a <laughs> on a Friday afternoon. So it's kind of expected. I mean, it does blow your mind a bit that there's not set prices. But for big events, you kind of expect that New Year's Eve is one of those things That you're not surprised, but to change it like earlier in the day to later in the day, that seems kind of crazy. You think it'd be the whole day, but you know, Vegas is in there reaching in your pocket everywhere they can. So it stinks. Hopefully you put a couple bucks in the machine and and get it for free. That's the way, right? Yeah. It seems like ordering a drink now is like Russian
0: roulette. You don't know what the price is going to be. And there's people (laughs) that have confirmed that this is actually happening where they're just surge pricing. How long before they have like AI robots with cameras and they're analyzing your facial expressions and what you look like to determine how much they should charge you?
1: Have you ever been to one of those like beer uh, stock exchange places where, depending on what people are ordering, they actually have like a ticker going across the top that shows prices going up or going down? At least that's like visible and up front instead of just shady behind the scenes. In Vegas, Laughlin, everywhere, prices
0: only go in one direction. You should know that there's no uh, adjusting downwards. They just go up, up, up. Fountain Blue's only been open a few weeks and there's already a giant shakeup, a really big shakeup at the top. Michael Clifford, Senior Vice President of Casino Operations at Fountain Blue, has been fired or he's out. He's no longer working for the company. We don't quite know exactly what happened. There's a lot of theories, but I'm not going to speculate because we really have no idea. But it's not common for a casino to open and then
1: fire basically... The guy who runs the entire casino. I'm guessing that it's because he was the one in charge of uh, trespassing Bob Dingo. So we're in the free Bob Dingo. No, it's just been kind of, you know, you talked about it. The Maybe it has something to do with people giving feedback that the hospitality isn't great. The service isn't great. It's a little bit rude, a little bit standoffish. Maybe that came from him. Maybe this is, you know, feeding down from the top. We're just speculating at this point. It is weird that we've talked about that they didn't really do a good rollout and in priming the the location and giving people access and kind of like building it up. Like you saw with Durango and how packed Durango was. And I know Fountain Blue was really busy the first night, but what was it like on the Tuesday after the Wednesday? We've heard Durango has been super busy, so it's weird. It's not a good sign. And somebody commented on Twitter, like it reminds them of Resorts World. And that kind of does give you the same vibes of them doing a shakeup early on. Yeah, Resorts World firing their president, the guy, the
0: vision behind it, after what, less than two years. That seemed to be because of some other stuff happening with that Taco joint. And, you know, we don't really know all of the details, but there was a lot of, I don't want to say shady, but perhaps shady things going on there. Fountain Blue. I mean, it's just surprising to see it happen so soon. What could you have done? It had to be something serious for this to happen. I mean, this is somebody they brought on board a long time ago. He was behind the vision, you know, getting the whole place opened. And something had to have happened. There are some people speculating that they lost too much money to the whales that they brought in early on. Other people saying that that status match that lasted a day cost them too much money. I don't think that that's what you're gonna fire the guy you're running your casino for. But uh, it had to be something huge, and we'll probably never know what it was.
1: Yeah, a hundred dollar dinner. I mean, Caesars did that for years and years and years, and nobody did anything about it. You know, so I doubt that that would be it. It only lasted a day. What are we talking? Like tops fifty grand. I mean, if that's a problem in Vegas, then you're not doing it right. So I have to imagine it was something with feedback or or maybe he overstepped a boundary somewhere. Who knows? It it just seems like it's so early on three weeks in two weeks in to make a decision. Maybe the numbers are drastically bad compared to what they expected. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. I wish we would know but we'll never find out in comment in that thread was whoever <laughs> built that parking structure should have been fired 17 days ago. And I thought that was pretty hilarious. It looks horrible. Yeah, it's been a comment from a lot of people. I experienced it on opening day when it wasn't
0: that busy and then leaving when it was busier. It is bad. I mean, uh, this parking garage, if you don't know, it was built in a very specific way because the Turnberry Towers, condo towers are right behind it. So they had to enclose it and do other things. Uh, and it was built back when the property was built you know, 15 years ago. And I wonder if they made any effort to rearrange the parking because the way cars come in and out, it's very inefficient. All the employees park in that garage, too, on the upper levels, and it's a mess. So I don't know how they fix it. Anytime there's going to be a lot of cars coming in and out at once, it's just going to be bad, and it was just a bad setup. So maybe they were stuck with it from before. You would have thought maybe they could have come up with a way to, to redo it. But, yeah, it's an ugly situation parking at Fountain Blue when it's busy. And everybody's complaining about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're building this property and spending all this money, blow it up and start from scratch if it's that bad. Like, you have the engineers and architects had to have realized that this was gonna be a problem. And, you know, that would be a deterrent for me if I'm a local and I'm driving and I know that I might get, you know, people said they got stuck in there for 55 minutes. There's nothing more annoying than being stuck in a parking garage. And that's just normal operations. Like, it's not a big concert or anything. I, I always leave sporting events a little early because I get annoyed when you get stuck after that. And that's understandable because it's, uh, you know, 60, 70,000 people all leaving at once. Where this is not that many people, a couple hundred trying to leave the parking structure at once, maybe a 1,000 and you're having this this type of issue, that's terrible. So maybe just park next door at Sahara.
0: They have free parking. You can walk over. But just don't stay there, or if you stay there, be aware of this new fee that they have. And it's like a cruise ship. So on cruise ships, they charge you daily gratuities for the housekeepers, for basically everybody you come in contact with. You can remove them, but not really something you should probably do. So they're semi-mandatory, and it looks like Sahara is doing that. Somebody posted on Twitter a picture of a sign there showing they're adding mandatory gratuities for housekeeping on your room if you stay at Sahara.
1: Maybe this is their way of pleasing, you know, a big part of their workforce and not getting, uh, you know, a, a negotiation going or or something along those lines. I don't know. It just seems strange to tack on this fee and make it mandatory for people. You're already charging record highs for room rates across Vegas. And then you're just adding tacking on this extra little fee that's going to annoy people and cause a bad experience. Build the room rate a little bit more, add it in there and pay your people more per hour and call it a day.
0: I wonder if this is going to spread to other casinos and other hotels in Vegas. Again, this is common in the cruise ship industry, but I've never really seen it. On the hotel side, I'm sure there's other land-based hotels that have done it that we're aware of, but I don't think so in Vegas. And yeah, this is a whole change and people hate resort fees. Is this the next thing? You're going to have your resort fee and your tips. I think you should tip housekeepers anyway, but you know, I don't think that we should have it mandatory on the bill. Putting mandatory things that didn't exist before, it's never good for the customer, it doesn't seem like.
1: Only skeptical, but I doubt all this money makes it into the maid's pocket anyway.
0: So Mark, you sent me this, this hoodie that you could have won. Now, it was last year, this promotion ended at the end of the year, so we're too late but Sahara was giving away this really cool hoodie if you earned a certain amount of points.
1: Yeah, I just, I noticed it. you know, people were posting, a couple of people grabbed it and I don't think, and we probably should have noticed this before and and brought it up on the show. So apologies for that, but it it looks awesome. And I'm going to keep my eye open to see if it comes back because I definitely want one.
0: Yeah, I love the camels. I want one too. I didn't notice it before you sent it to me. I didn't see this anywhere. So uh, yeah, hopefully uh, people got them. They're wearing them around town and we get a chance to go get one because they look great. MGM Grand just unveiled their new rooms or Las Vegas locally posted pictures of them. We didn't know that MGM Grand was renovating their rooms right now. They just renovated their studio tower, which is their former West Tower. And that's the old Marina Hotel. And those rooms are smaller. They were always less nice. And they renovated those in 2022 with that sort of red desert motif look. But these are the main tower rooms and they look very different, very modern. Now, the pictures that we have are wide angle. So it kind of makes the rooms seem bigger than they are. But they're a decent size, and I like the modern vibes there. I mean, it's just another modern hotel room on the Strip, of which we have many, though.
1: Yeah, I will say this one's a little bit different. They seem to bring in darker tones, uh, darker woods, darker countertops, which I like. It's a little bit different than just the breezy, airy, light, you know, ocean feel that we're seeing everywhere. And the light blues and off grays and stuff. So, I like that they did something a bit different. I like the carpet. It looks really nice. Uh, compared to last year, it's a slam dunk. I mean, the stuff they did... And the other tower is just hideous, and I can't stand it. And It's like worse than Virgin's uh, desert motif. I don't know what they were thinking there.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, I think the red desert motif of the other tower, the old west tower, is, you know, take it or leave it. Some people probably like it. Those rooms, like I said, they're very old and basic, and I think they're more limited in what they have to work with. These main rooms, I agree, they look great. The carpet looks fantastic. I love the carpet, and I'm very excited about that. The rooms at MGM Grand, I think, were renovated only maybe 10, 12 years ago, and they were very dark, and they definitely didn't fit in with modern vibes of room design. And uh, like you said, maybe they're keeping some of that darkness, but adding the light and making it feel modern. I think they look great. I mean, I don't have any real nitpicks here. I like them. It looks like a great modern hotel room. And MGM Grand, I feel like, has lost some of its... Uh, character, some of its identity over the years. You know, it opened as a very family friendly place. Then they changed to the city of entertainment, and I don't know. Over the years, if you ask people, they have very specific opinions about a lot of places. But MGM Grand, a lot of people don't know what that hotel sort of is
1: uh, overall. Yeah, I think it used to be like the peak of luxury too in Vegas back when it first opened, and now it's just kind of it is really the <laughs> the forgotten hotel. Like it's the the main name, MGM Grand. Like that's what MGM is named after and it just doesn't bring it. I've never stayed there. I've never been interested in staying there. She's never drawn me in. I barely ever go in there. I used to go for the lions every once in a while, but it just, there's nothing special about the place. So maybe this will help. The rooms look nice. They're spacious. I like all the the choices on colors and, and design. So Hopefully, it gets people in there, but yeah, I, I think that that's a big problem is nobody knows what they're about.
0: And as you point out, that MGM branding in places like Detroit or Massachusetts or Macau D- or even DC National Harbor—these are really high-end, nice hotels and luxury hotels. The MGM in Detroit is fantastic, uh, as are many of the other ones. And uh, this one is older, and it just sort of lost its brand. Plus, the company, you know, owns Bellagio and Aria and all these other hotels around it. I don't know that it'll ever be their flagship hotel here, but good to see it getting some love. It used to be. The biggest hotel in the world, so much history there. I'm not like you. I think the place is great, but I can see your perspective on that and how it all could get lost. The casino is just a little too
1: big. I will say that it is just enormous. It's kind of like you walk in, you're like, whoa. It's kind of a weird setup. I've just never loved it. Never really drawn me in. Can we call it the MGM's Harrah's, the forgotten one? I don't know. Is that too mean? Oh my god, we're gonna we're gonna have to
0: move on here, people, because he just. <laughs> He just totally triggered me. So let's talk about the Dorito chip update. Everybody was wondering, and we got the news that they are finally actually making it a full chip on the side of Luxor. I know everybody out there was wondering if this was the case. I think it looks much better as a full chip. Thanks to Tim and Matt Travel for tagging us in that and showing us that Super Bowl advertisements going up all around town. So it's only going to get worse. Uh, as we get closer to the game, you're going to
1: get more of these ads, but hopefully they'll go away after the big game. I mean, Vegas is just one big billboard these days. No, it looks cool. It actually looks like a chip, so it makes sense why they would do Doritos. I like the nacho cheese landing strip myself. I was okay with that, but you got to wrap the whole thing. It, ma- it makes a lot of sense, but I'll be glad when it's gone.
0: As a reminder, our Patreon is now going, patreon.com forward slash Vegas. We do a weekly after show. You can watch it, listen to it. $5 a month gets you access. Thanks for everybody who supports us over there. So New Year's Eve, happen. And I think they estimated 400,000 people showed up to the Las Vegas Strip. There was a shooting in the morning at the MGM signature. A guy was shooting off his balcony. It caused a huge response. Thankfully, nobody was hurt and they were able to arrest the guy. And that seemed like the biggest sort of drama of New Year's Eve. Everything went, went off without a hitch. A lot of great fireworks from nine different strip hotels. This was our first New Year's Eve with the Sphere. And it did countdowns for like every market. So it was kind of cool. Like for New York, they had the Rockettes up there. And then, of course, when 2024 came, the Sphere had its little face with its 2024 glasses Everything went well. Vegas did New Year's Eve. But, Mark, I was watching shows from other places like Hong Kong, and we still have some work to do on getting the best fireworks show in the world.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Dubai really did a a great job with their tower. That was pretty cool. And I think Vegas could do something like that. It's just kind of – I feel like they've done the same thing for a long time, and maybe they need to switch it up. I don't know if they can – you know, with with how many buildings are all around it. Where you look at the Dubai one, it's kind of standalone. You know, it's, it's more difficult to work. And I saw some views from Legacy Club. I still think that might be like the best place to watch the fireworks. You get downtown's fireworks, you get views of the strip's fireworks. It was kind of cool and and a, a great atmosphere. I know we both have been in there and loved it. I think that'd be a place I'd go if I was going to be there for New Year's Eve.
0: Yeah, and these fireworks shows, they've been going on for a while as far as putting them on multiple hotels. We are hoping maybe we get more drone shows in the future and they can expand it. But just watching all the fireworks shows around the world, a lot to compete with. Vegas definitely takes its stage as a premier New Year's Eve destination, and everything went great. Like I said on our Patreon show, I hope to get down there next year to do it one more time before I'm too old to deal with the masses out on the Strip.
1: Yeah, maybe uh, we'll do it together. I've never been, I've always wanted to go, so let's hit that up. Speaking of old, an old-timer Las
0: Vegas has died. Shecky Green died at 97 And I say old because this guy started performing at the New Frontier Hotel in 1954. He's as Vegas as it gets. He performed all the way through 2011. He was performing at the South Point. I remember him just being a staple everywhere. He even performed, I think, with Elvis the first time Elvis came at the New Frontier Hotel back in the 50s open for Frank Sinatra this is how far back he goes and he passed away just a legend in Las Vegas and a great performer a great member of the community he still lived here until the day he died
1: yeah i didn't know much about him because he was a bit before my time when i got into vegas and all that but i read the article and so so many cool things like would still go to breakfast in the area and maybe do a mini stand up there and him talking about when Elvis first came in, they didn't know who he was. And it was like a Western town with people riding horses through, <laughs> through town and coming into the casinos. And then after Elvis came in, people started dressing up and it kind of went into that era where it became something more along the lines of what we see now. And nobody probably has better stories of Vegas seeing it from the beginning till, you know, the end of where we're at now, which is pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, we had Paul Anka perform at Fountain Blue when it opened. There's not many of these legends from that era left. Um, They're all, you know,
1: leaving us and just what
0: an era, what a history Las Vegas has. And I've said, like, if I could have a time machine, that's one of the things I would love to do. Go see that era, go to those lounge acts, you know, of course the Rat Pack, but there were so many other amazing performers uh, that were here and doing great comedy and just, Those sorts of acts of that era. But Wayne Newton, as a reminder, he's still going strong. So go see him at the Flamingo. We talked about his show a few weeks ago. And uh, you can still see that piece of history going. It's not going to be forever.
1: You know, he's supposed to be getting an award uh, in April and they're still going to do it. But like, why are we waiting so long to do these things? Let's give it to these people, you know, earlier. Don't wait till they're in their 90s to do it. You know, they could have done it back in 2015. Celebrate the people when they're still with us so they get to be a part of it.
0: One last thing, he was supposed to get that award at Fountain Blue, and he opened for Frank Sinatra at the original Fountain Blue when it opened in 1954. Sort of nuts. The tie-ins here in the history, and rest in peace, Shecky Green. And as promised, we're going to talk now about the visitor stats for November to see the F1 impact so everybody can yell at us and tell us how we said it was going to be a failure and it wasn't, even though we never said it was going to be a failure. And I think it was a success. And because you can look at these numbers specifically the daily rate and the revenue per available room. So the average daily rate is self-explanatory, right? It's the average rate of hotel rooms So empty hotel rooms, they're not counted in this. It's just what are the rates that they're charging to customers. But the revenue per available room takes every room in the market and says, how much is the hotel making off of that room? And in November of 2023, the revenue per available room was up 34.8% year over year to 204.18 from 151.42. In other words, in November... Every single one of the 150,000 plus hotel rooms made $52.76 per night more. That's a big change.
1: It's crazy to see year over year that kind of increase in $200. And I know November is usually a slower month. It was kind of on par with October, uh, the, the Rev par. So not like the biggest month ever, but maybe the biggest November ever. So you kind of have to look at it that way. But also just looking at the Rev par for this year compared to last year, is nuts like the beginning of the year way up all the way through maybe one uh, month touched and then you look at 2019 before the pandemic it's a huge massive increase which we haven't seen that type of increase you know on the earning side of things for us individually and i know we've said this many times but it still just blows my mind to see that difference of what they're charging per room when nothing's really changed for the better you know for us as the the consumer not the experience. It's not like they brought in all this new stuff for us to do that they're charging more, or that we're making all this more money. So Vegas is here to stay, but it just still—I I don't understand it. Somebody has to explain it to me.
0: Yeah, people are spending money, as you said. And what's interesting is visitor volume was only up 0.8 percent. So we saw, you know, a lot of places empty. A lot of people didn't visit before the race, and I do think that definitely had an impact on visitors because convention uh, attendance was up 2.7 percent. So if you subtract out the convention people, then you're actually negative for tourism and those types of visitors. But when they're spending these crazy amounts of money, uh, it's really insane. And this People say Vegas is dead or why are people investing in new casinos in Vegas? Well, this is why, as you point out, if you look at the numbers over the last four or five years, people are spending more and more than ever. These hotels are more profitable than ever. It's not just the casinos. It's not just the ancillary spending. The hotels themselves are making tons of money. These properties are making tons of money. And as you said, people are, I don't know where they're coming up with all the money, but yeah, it is, I mean, Vegas wasn't cheap before. I mean, it's basically been a 30 year slide from being a value destination into a luxury destination. And it's been a big transition, but these last couple of years, it's just like supercharged with the prices.
1: Yeah, it's it's great. And it's not just the rooms, like we just talked about $12 beers and stuff like that. Like everything's a bit more expensive, but people just love it that much or they're you know willing to overlook it at least. And it's kind of crazy. And this does see why you're building new towers and stuff, because before the rooms used to be an afterthought. They wouldn't make really any money off of it. Maybe they cover their costs. But now it's actually like a profit driver. And I would say that the casinos that got good stays during F1, maybe the numbers aren't like astronomically increased because it's about the same amount of people throughout the month, but you're getting way better rates. So that's a better profitable, you know, your cost is going to be the same during that period, but you're getting more dollars per night, per room. For them, this is a huge win, I think. And then if you look towards
0: next year, if they can make these tweaks to kind of help the lower end businesses and bring in the rest of those people who didn't come, now you're talking about gangbusters and really filling up the city and maximizing revenue. So that's got to be their, I guess, goal going forward. And if they can pull that off, you're talking truly a success. But I don't see any way you look at this and say it was a failure. There's people still saying, well, it cost too much for the construction and the time. And I mean, this was what they wanted as an event. I don't know what the economic impact was. It definitely wasn't $1.4 billion as you crack these numbers. But it was significant and uh, it was a success for what they were trying to do, even though, you know, there's lots of businesses who hurt. So that's the nuanced thing. I mean, I don't know why people are so dead set to say it was terrible or it was the best thing ever.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, the truth of it is the people that make the decisions, the people that drive this stuff are the big casinos, the big conglomerates, and they made out. So they're going to keep this going because they're the ones that matter. They don't care about us peons. You know they don't really care about the small businesses. It's sad to say, and maybe they take this as, "Hey, f one week we're going to close up and just give everybody a vacation and, and much needed break." Maybe there's a silver lining there for it. I'd probably go one more year, see how it plays out. You know, maybe they just need to shut down during that time. It doesn't make sense to stay open. But if your hope is that the future of Las Vegas is on the low end, going back to value conscious traveling,
0: I don't think that's happening based on these numbers, based on everything we've seen over the last uh, few years, and. Let us know what you guys think down in the comments about these stats, about the new rooms at MGM Grand, Fountain Blue Shakeup, Shecky Green. Hit us up there. We do two shows a week, Tuesdays and Fridays, and we'll be back in just a couple days with another show. Thanks so much for watching. Happy New Year. Talk to you next time.
1: Happy New Year. Have a good week, everybody.